Um, during this video, you also heard the term Inkalink a lot, and I wanted to let you know that Inkalink is actually a nonprofit organization that was designed and set up to host short-term teams when they're in Ecuador, and also to give them an avenue to partner with the long-term work around the world, and in particular in Ecuador. And so um, you'll probably hear that name a lot. That's Inkalink. Um, and when we were with Inca Link in Wadi Kocha, the first part of our trip, um, we were really excited to be part of that because Inca Link is very passionate about equipping the national leaders in serving in the church. And so they have to educate them in order to do that. And they're so passionate about this that they begin to build a mission school out in a remote jungle area so that local villages can train their pastors. Um, I've asked Brian if he would take a few minutes and share with us about what we did when we were in Wadi Kocha. We really had no idea what we were getting into going down and then even when we were there. But we, we had the opportunity to um, help in building that mission school and preparing for the, the other teams that were coming down throughout the rest of the summer. That consisted of digging ditches, which is solace in, moving dirt, moving dirt again, moving more dirt, um, varnishing wood. Uh, we had the opportunity to... Uh, participate in vacation Bible schools with a number of, uh, of different uh, villages there and, and share God's love with the children um, and then also uh, develop relationships and encourage some of the local believers there uh, in their walk and, and just support Mark and Cheryl, our global, global partners, uh, which is just an incredible time. So we had a really good time together. All 15 of us served in Wadi Kocha and um, it was really beautiful. Um, probably one of the most difficult parts of that trip was saying goodbye to half our team. Um, Brian and eight of the team members headed home, and seven of us stayed behind, and we pushed um, even more remotely into the jungle. It took a nice two-and-a-half-hour canoe ride through the Amazon basin into a small village by the name of Payas. And um, it was quite an honor to be there. Last year, our global partners, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer, they had asked us um, if we would send a team that they, this particular area of the world had really, been really resistant to the gospel, and they were finally building some bridges and getting some open doors, and they thought it was just the right time to invite a team to partner with them. And so they called us, and we said, yes, absolutely, we'd love to be that team. So last year, our lead pastor, Pastor Joel, um, and Mike Sponsler led a team of seven into Payos last year and just saw God work amazingly. Um, they got to see 13 people accept Jesus as their leader and forgiver for the very first time. And that was really incredible. So for our team, we get to walk in after that. And these people have been digging in and studying God's word for a year. And so 13 people wanted to be baptized to show God that they're still saying yes to him. So that was really exciting. Um, we got to see that. And two of those people, actually four of them, two couples in that 13, had also been learning about marriage over the past year. And the village doesn't believe in marriage. It just isn't part of their culture. And they really wanted to honor God in that way. So they said yes to marriage, and we got to be part of two weddings. So that was really special for us also. Um, we got to help farmers farm, which looks very differently. We got to use lots of machetes. Had a four-year-old show me how. That was great. Um, <clears throat> we got to um, do vacation Bible school with the children and play games and have crafts. We also got to teach some hygiene lessons because... Um, it's a very rural community. They bathe and drink and cook and everything all in the same river. Um, there's no running water, no electricity, so hygiene was really important. And we also got to see three brand-new believers this year um, accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So that was really exciting for us. Um, I've asked Jen to pray for Ecuador and for the continued work on the field. Even though we've come home, we have friends, Mark and Cheryl, who 
stay there and dig in all year round. Um, and so we've asked her to pray for them and just for what God's doing on the field there. Would you pray with me? God, what an incredible work you've begun all over the jungle in Ecuador. Your love and your grace radiates through the international workers, the national workers, and the people of Huaticocha, Payas, and the villages in between. Lord, we pray for continued strength for all those in Ecuador who are serving you. We pray for open doors into new areas and new tribes where they may not know your name. God, we ask you to put your hedge of protection around the people of Ecuador and our international workers so that they may feel your love and support and to feel our love and support from thousands of miles away. Lord, we pray for the lives you have changed, baptized, and blessed through marriage, and we continue to pray for those who don't yet know your name. May your name be declared to all the corners of the earth. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So it had been 17 years since I'd been on a cross-cultural mission trip. And I've always wanted to go to Africa. So I was really excited about the possibility of going to Africa. So meanwhile, my oldest son, Hunter, um, had just gotten permission for, from us to go on the DSM trip to North Carolina. As we went along, we found out that it was going to conflict with our um, annual family camp. I had to give Hunter the bad news <laughs> that we didn't want him to go on that and um, I came up with a creative solution uh, for it and basically asked him if he gave up his time with his friends on this mission trip that I would sacrifice going to Africa this time and together we would go and serve in Ecuador. Fundraising was always something that was frowned on for me growing up from my family. And so it was really uncomfortable sending out support letters. Um, however, I just trusted our leaders that uh, they knew what they were talking about by saying that people wanted to contribute and come alongside us and experience the trip with us by helping us get there. So I sent out um, support letters and uh, sure enough, checks started trickling in. We were blessed by every, um, every gift that came in. We knew some of the people were in the same boat as we were. And so it was just um, really beautiful that people were supporting us like that. And we had a couple um, unexpected anonymous donations that just really were selfless and uh, humbling to us. Um, it did drive me a little crazy because I wanted to be able to thank them and I didn't know who they were, so thank you. <laughs> Our faith and trust continued to uh, grow in Ecuador as we watched God provide in ways that were also incredible. It was a, a welcome sight when we, our canoe pulled up to the shores of Payas. There on the cliff are all these tribes people adults and children alike of the Shuar Indians and they just ran to greet us. At that time we saw a girl on the, the cliff on the shores that had a, um, a dirty pillowcase dress on and her arm was all, all bandaged, the whole upper arm was bandaged. We just made a note that we all wanted to see what was going on there. And so as we were getting ready and settling into our quarters, 
um, this eight-year-old little girl, Nayeli, um, came in to be examined. After unwrapping um, the bandages that were just seeped and had stuck to her arm, they were just glued as part of her arm, uh, Laura saw that there was a, a burn wound that was festering underneath it. And all we had was a little first aid kit and she basically took a clean toothbrush and, and scraped away the dead skin off of Nayeli's arm. Um, she then uh, used antiseptic cleaner and cleaned the wound and then freshly bandaged it back up. And it just really struck me during this time that um, Nayeli was so brave. We all fell in love with Nayeli. Uh, she always had a beautiful, radiant smile. And my love for Nayeli uh, grew every day. I mean, we were just daily companions and um, the, the language barrier just wasn't an issue because our love and the smiles and the embraces, um, it just translated whether we understood each other's language or not. I pleaded with God to, um, to have her wound scab over before we left just to give me that peace of mind that um, she would be okay. But the healing was slow, it didn't scab over, and I realized that um, my purpose for being there wasn't to heal Nayeli's physical wounds. It was just to love her. And uh, I love her. And I know that uh, my presence wasn't needed and isn't needed for the healer to work. So I continued to pray for Nayeli and um, know that, that the God who cared about my sons and my funds to be able to go and the God who create, created Nayeli cares more about her than I could ever care about her. So Cheryl's story is just one of the many stories of changed lives on our team this year. And you'll hear lots more from our team and from the others as we continue the morning. But I want to reassure you that we have a good time when we travel, too. Uh, so we have lots of funny moments. We thought we'd share one with you. Take a look at okay, this. Okay, so it was about day three when we were in Ecuador. We were in a place called Huatacocha. And we'd been serving there for a few days, and we had dug out this huge ditch, and now we were laying down pipe in it. And it was actually probably the first day that Matt was really working. And there was a storm that was coming, and it was starting to, the wind was starting to blow in the trees, and so it was only myself and Jen, and we were, the, we were over there working because the rest of the team was over, I don't know what they were doing. And um, all of a sudden, the wind started picking up. And I'm kind of pulling the dirt in, and Jen's up top breaking up the dirt so that I can pull the loose dirt down into the ditch. So we were trying to dig faster and get the dirt filled in before the storm came. And there comes this really big gust of wind. And so I look up at Jen, and right as I look up at Jen... Out of nowhere, this ginormous branch smacked me in the back. Now, I know my wife. 
and goes flying through the air and like whacks her right in the back. And at first, I thought, who throws a branch? And so I was all upset and I turned around and when I turned around, there was this group of Ecuadorian workers laughing. And when it happened, I saw the whole thing happen and I watched the expression on Jen's face. And it was like, that moment that that branch hit her back, she was like, I'm gonna kill somebody. And Jen, oblivious to what actually happened, turns around and looks and sees five or six Ecuadorian workers sitting there staring at her laughing. Now, I, hopefully there was not going to be an international incident. Man, we were about to have a throwdown. Because, yeah, again, I know my wife. And, and so she slowly, like, turns around like this. She's turning around. And she realizes as she's turning, oh, nobody actually threw that branch at me. It just blew off of the tree. you got to watch out for my wife. Don't ever throw anything at her back. Well, like I said, we laugh a lot when we're on trips also. As we stretch out the time so one of our Biloxi members can run over. <laughs> Next, I want to introduce to you um, our Biloxi, Mississippi team. And um, as you can look on the screens, too, they have a little bit larger uh, team also. They were a team of 11, and they got to serve down in the Gulf Coast after the hurricane relief. And we have with us here today Robin Kaplan, who is one of our team leaders. She's also the director of care ministries at Daybreak. And I've asked Robin and some of the team members to come up. Um, Jeff's going to share a little bit about their trip and what they did. And I've asked Robin to um, pray for the continued work in the Gulf Coast. So in August, uh, most of you know, on August 29th of 2005, uh, Hurricane Katrina ripped through the Gulf Coast region and really uh, devastated the, the, Gulf, the coast of Louisiana and Mississippi. And um, hundreds of thousands of people in business were affected by that and still are today. Uh, since that time, Daybreak has sent six teams down to the Gulf Coast region to help in the rebuilding efforts, partnering with different organizations. And this past May, we were privileged uh, to be the sixth team that went down there, and we partner with Habitat for Humanity. Um, after spending our first day in New Orleans, we, uh, we got to sample some of the local fare, which you'll get to hear about in a few moments. Uh, we took a private guided tour of the city, and they basically showed us the devastation that uh, happened down there. Actually, still today, there's still uh, many remnants of it. And um, got a feel for what it was actually like um, hearing testimonies and stories, um, people riding the storm out. And um, headed off to Biloxi and spent the, the rest of our week on location in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi at two different uh, places. So we essentially became one team in two locations. Um, one home that was worked on uh, was a brand new build, and the other team worked on a rehab, which uh, Habitat just basically re rehabilitates an existing home. So our days looked, uh, basically what our day looked like is each day after breakfast, we had some team prayer, and we'd head out to the job site um, from about 8 till 4 o'clock, and we would do whatever they asked of us. Um, we uh, painted, sanded, put up, uh, helped with building porches, uh, sand, uh, sanded floors, stained, and uh, drywall, putting up soffit, really heavy soffit, and used a lot, a lot of power tools. Um, basically, then we go back to our living quarters at the Bloxy Christian Church, and after dinner we'd have a time of debrief, um, affirmations of the team, and we'd would uh, basically enjoy fellowship with each other and, and discuss what God is, what we're learning from God on that given uh, day and moment. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done in the Gulf Coast, but uh, I just want to say that our team was just so blessed and humbled to be just a small, small part of that. 
Thank you, Jeff. Would you all join me in praying for Biloxi? Father God, it truly has been our honor and our privilege to join you in your work in the Gulf Coast. We pray and ask that you would continue to bring hope and encouragement to the people there. While we were there again this year, we were just reminded of that mass destruction that happened in the Gulf Coast. And yet at the same time, we were reminded of just how big you are and that you're so much bigger than all of it and that your word tells us you'll use all things together for your good. And we fully believe, God, that you are doing just that in the work um, inside the Gulf Coast. And we pray for your continued blessing for all who live there and all those who go to serve. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God worked an amazing miracle in my heart and in my life while I was down in Biloxi. And it was a culmination of a life, a life journey. I was five years old and it's one of my first very strong conscious memories is my mom left our family to go with another man. I can just remember kicking and screaming as the babysitter drug me and my sister away. Watching my mom load her suitcases into the car and preparing to leave. And that was the first example of a rejection in my life that really, it hurt deep to the core. And when, when you start off with the one person that should always be by your side and have your back walking away, it is impactful. And you spend the rest of your life waiting for the next person to, to walk away. And I had a very, very deep long-term relationship with a man. A month before our wedding day, he called it off. For a, a year, I just, I called out to God and I know God was with me and I know he was holding me and I know he was crying with me. But it was a necessary, it was a necessary part of my journey for me to learn to trust God above all. When I came to daybreak, I was overjoyed. So God really kind of put me on this journey of revelation of how much I restricted myself by being guarded and protecting my heart. When I was in Ecuador, I had the opportunity to be with some amazing people who really spoke a lot of wisdom into me. I heard the truth that I am a daughter of the King holy and dearly loved. I am worthy because I'm his. And I accepted that truth. I had not even known that because I was so guarded and because I so protected myself, I would not even allow myself to experience his love. I, I was not good enough to let God pour all his love on me. From that point on, when I came back and I had my debrief, I realized, oh my goodness, I'm in a box. I'm living behind a wall. Nobody can get in which and means I can't really get out and I'm a prisoner. I went in 2011, I went on the trip to Payos, Ecuador, and that is when God really said, look at what you're depriving yourself of. These people love you and you can't accept it because you're trying to build this wall to protect yourself and they love you and they're safe. And again, it, God always puts the very right people in my life at the very right time because I was ready to see, okay, I've accepted God's love, but His people want to love me too. And they don't want to hurt me. They want to love me because I'm His. And in that trip, I'd like to say, yeah, the wall came down. It did not. 
But I definitely became so cognizant of the fact that I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I'm a prisoner and I want to be free. And then the Biloxi trip came up. I didn't even really realize initially on the trip that I was different until the night, I believe it was Wednesday night, our leaders, Mel and Robin, said, I want you to start thinking about what is your takeaway for this trip? And my initial response was, go for the easy one. Hey, I, I had fun. It was great. I got to use power tools. It was a win. And God literally slammed that door in my face and said, that is not authentic. You are not being real. You're taking the easy path. Look around you and see what really have you gained here? What really is your takeaway? And even in preparing for it, I was like, you know what? I, I love these people. These people love me. This group of amazing people that I've served alongside, they love me and I can feel it. I can feel that they love me. But I have to be honest, even in preparing, I didn't get just how free I was because that night when I started to share, I literally could feel the wall was gone. I just, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it. I became aware for the first time since I was that five-year-old little girl that watched her mom drive away. I am free. I feel their love. And because of that, I can love well. I even remember writing in my journal, even though it was late and even though I was so tired, I had to go back and write in my journal because it was such a huge revelation to me. I wrote in my journal in big letters, in Christ, I am free. And I've been celebrating it since we came back. Elisa's story again is just one of the many stories from the Biloxi team and I've asked Robin as one of the Biloxi leaders to come up and share a little bit um, about her team and Robin I wanted you to share I've heard so many stories but I wanted you to share with everybody what was it in particular about this team um, that gave you such a joy to lead them you know Deb there are about three things that really stick out in my mind about this team the first is just how unified we were. Um, really from day one, we were unified in vision and purpose and in our relationships um, with one another. I really believe that any one of us would have done anything that was asked um, to help support and love on another team member. So that was pretty amazing. The second thing that, step, that I think of is just the teachability of all of the team members. Um, there was a true desire to want to learn not only from God, but from each other. And we did that during times of service. But I also saw this team um, use the little bit of free time that we gave them um, each day to just dig further into God's word and in conversation with one another um, so that we can just kind of continue on our, on our journey together. And then the third thing that really stood out is just their readiness to serve. Um, we never knew from one day to the next what we were going to be asked to do, but this team was willing to do anything to serve well, and it really played out throughout the week. That sounds great. Um, I know that I've just continued to hear stories, and one of them in particular, here at Daybreak Church, our global ministries, one of our strategic values is that we continue long-term relationships. Um, we go back to the same countries, we go back to the same stateside areas to develop relationship. And Robin, I heard that 
with this core value for us, you guys got to bump into a crew leader that some of our previous teams had worked with and that you had a really unique moment with him. Could you just share a little bit with us about that? That's right. Last year's team that went to Biloxi um, had the opportunity to work with a guy named Mark. Um, he's actually in this picture that you can see the guy in the middle with the pink shirt. Um, and Mark is a real, like, jokester kind of guy. Um, he creates a super fun environment and did that um, for the team at the home where they were building. Um, but also through the week, just out of our team's strong desire um, to build relationship and just help encourage um, the Habitat leaders, they really developed a closeness um, in their relationships with Mark. And that really spread be far beyond just that team, but also to our Daybreak family. So this year when we returned, Mark really wanted to see our team so much that he waited. Uh, we, we kind of arrived a little late the first night, and he waited at the Habitat uh, training site to catch up with us there and to greet us. Um, but he also took time out of his week um, from the site where he was working to come and spend some time with us um, at the camp where we were staying. And I have to tell you, his visit to the camp um, was just an incredible experience. Um, we watched our team uh, take an old echoey cafeteria-like room um, where we were all meeting and turn it into what felt like this cozy living room environment where we all pulled our chairs in tight around Mark um, in an effort to really make him know once again that he was welcome and that we really had looked forward to his visit with us. And, you know, little did we know, headed into that night, um, what a powerful uh, next hour we were going to experience with him. Um, Mark really softened uh, during that time and shared with us um, his own story of life change that had happened from that previous year um, when the team had been there um, to when we returned. And so this guy, who so many of them knew as this jokester, um, was really softened by the difference that Jesus had made in his life. And so many of us sat there tear-filled throughout that hour, um, but being very encouraged and transformed by ourselves, by the life of this one man. And, you know, as we reflected on this later, we were just um, kind of blown away and yet reminded once again um, that had it not been for the commitment that we make um, as daybreak, as um, short-term teams, to those ongoing relationships that you talked about, um, our desire to just build into others and to encourage them and to let care for them, let them know that we value them, we would have never had that experience with Mark that night. It was really incredible. Yeah, I have to admit that that's one of... Um one of the reasons we have the core value to keep strategic partners and keep revisiting because you do, you get to see people grow and you get to see Jesus change them. And, and he changes us on these trips, but he also changes other people we encounter. So I'm glad you guys got a chance to catch up with Mark. So Robin, um, I realized that we could talk all morning just about one person on your team because so much life change happens, but we got to keep things going. But I know that um, something unique happened to you and Mel as team leaders um, when you just arrived right on your site. A little unexpected practice flexibility is what we call it in training. <laughs> Expect the unexpected. Could you tell us about that? Absolutely. Yeah, that first night when we arrived at the training site for Habitat, um, Mel and I were pulled aside and we were told as leaders that we would be serving at two sites that week 
on two different homes that weren't anywhere close to each other. And I have to say, this really caused Mel and I to take a step back and was very surprising because this had never happened to one of our daybreak teams before where we had to be um, divided into two teams. And so we went back to the camp that night and Mel and I had the responsibility to spend some time um, really discerning from God, praying and asking him to help us know what this was supposed to look like. It wasn't something as much preparing and, you know, training that we do, we hadn't prepared for this. Um, And so we really asked God um, to reveal to us, and he did exactly what he wanted those teams to look like. And what eventually, one of the things that happened is um, we had two married couples um, on this team, and we really felt God telling us that we were asking um, those married couples to serve on two separate teams. And, you know, when we brought the team back together um, to kind of share with them how we broke uh, the teams up, we were just in awe as leaders at the way that the teams embraced with excitement and enthusiasm um, the way that the the teams were going to play out throughout the week. Um, There was no complaining or acting in fear or disappointment. Um, They really embraced it, which was such a blessing um, and pretty life-giving to Mel and I as their leaders. Um, As Jeff had said earlier, um, somebody right away spoke up and said, hey, we'll just be one team in two locations, just like we are back at home. It's no different here. Um, They really were right away just emphasizing, hey, you know, we get to build two homes. We get to bless two families. We get to have an impact in two communities. How cool is that? And that's exactly what we did. Um, It really was a privilege to serve with this team. It really is special to be um, a team leader, and we have great team leaders who work hard to uh, be with their teams, and um, we've never had a bad team. (laughs) We always have great teams. God just uses all of them. Well, Robin, I know your team, too, had lots of funny stories, but I have to say the most I heard about your team was food. So let's take a look at this together. This all started when when we started our Biloxi trip, when we were given our sort of agenda and there was like a day and a half in New Orleans which automatically meant food like lots of food. He was so excited about going to New Orleans because we're gonna have all this great food. So that evolved into a three-step process that became known as audible eating. It started with shrimp and grits on the very first night and like audible eating is not the actual process of eating it's what you do to enjoy the food as you're eating. Phase two was a po' boy, like a real New Orleans po' boy, not the shrimp one or the fraudulent one, the real one with the roast beef and the gravy so that it runs down your fingers. I look over at him at one point and he's, his hands are just loaded with sh- roast beef and sauce and whatever was, was part of this. One rule, no napkins, no fork and knife, by the way. So for some reason, I got stuck next to him at every meal and I really got a first-hand look at what this is. He, he has his way of just getting into the food, and when I say getting into it, he's just, he's in it, practically. Like, bent over like this. It, like, he, it, like, he hasn't eaten in, like, weeks. And finally, the ultimate was the shed. Let's paint you a real quick picture of the shed. I don't think there were walls, or the roof was, might have been a tarp, but it was uh, one of the most amazing barbecue places, and, and some of the most amazing barbecue I've ever had. The man platter has five different kinds of meats, and all these side dishes, and you only have one roll. No utensils, no napkins, no anything. 
You just get in there, you eat barbecue like men. That, my friends, is audible eating. And the best audible eating sound is So after packing in all these pounds of meat, the, the only thing left was the next day. And that ended up in the meat sweats. Well, obviously the Bluxief team had a lot of fun and a lot of food, <laughs> but I promise you they learned more than how to eat without utensils. <laughs> this trip had an impact on the whole team, and we wanted to give you just a little glimpse of some of what each team member learned. So take a look at this. I think that one of the things that was most impactful for me on the trip was just meeting the people in the Biloxi region. and. To this day, seven years later, they're still rebuilding. They're still trying to crawl out of the devastation that happened down there. But they have such thankful hearts, and they are just so kind to everyone and welcoming. And just thank everybody for coming down and still helping out. But they all have such a positive outlook on life. So one of the things that really impacted me was uh, when we heard testimony from Mark, who was one of the Habitat for Humanity uh, uh, people that was down there in Biloxi and uh, he talked about planting seeds and um, listening to that I realized that in my own journey I don't have to do it all myself I can just be a piece of the process I can plant a seed here and somebody else can come along and do the cultivating or the watering and that was just a big eye-opener for me the trip put a face on suffering for me uh, their suffering their perseverance and their humble graciousness and, and thankfulness for us coming down to, to help out uh, really put a face on suffering worldwide. So the last time that I got to spend a week with people my own age was probably seventh grade, went to a church camp, and, um, and it was a lot of fun. I remember that part. Uh, Biloxi was, was a lot like that, had a lot of fun with a group of people who I really didn't know that well. Um, and, and I think the, the best part, the most impactful part to me was um, just the opportunity to um, learn from them about what God is doing in their lives and, and share that. You get a reward out of it. You don't go down there expecting to be rewarded. You go down there to give and you come away. You come away with just wonderful memories and just a feeling that you are doing God's work and it's just so awesome. Something um, that I thought was just wonderful uh, about our trip to Biloxi and, and I think this is common amongst all of the daybreak uh, missions trips is the affirmation time at the end of the day. Um, I, I can't put in the words how powerful that was for each of us. So what impacted me most um, in terms of our Biloxi trip was getting to serve with my husband. And the experience just really helped us to grow together, um, just in our faith as a couple and as well individually. And it was just a wonderful experience getting to, to serve with each other and I think it really strengthened our marriage. I found exactly what I was looking for when I went down to Biloxi. I found true servants in the most humble, God-filled way that I could have ever imagined. I found it in young people and it, in, it has truly inspired me to find more of that true servitude that they um, possess, that they exhibit, and that they pass along to us. I have found that in my life through them, and that to me was the true blessing of my experience in Biloxi. I'd like to say thank you to Daybreak for continuing to open the door until I had the courage to walk through. Thank you. So as you can tell, the uh, whole Biloxi team was changed by this 10-day, one-week trip. 
and the same is true for our team that went to Ecuador. And I want to say thank you personally as your short-term trip coordinator for Daybreak for supporting us. You guys pray for us, you send us, you give financially, you drive us to the airport. There's so many different ways you partner with us. And truly what happened in your family's heart that will change our church here um, happened because you give and you support us and pray for us. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it. Um, one of the biggest blessings of my job is when you get to hear what happens when we leave because our long-term global partners, they stay, and um, every once in a while we get a glimpse of the good that's come out of a team. And when we came home this year from Ecuador, Mark, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer, our global partners in Ecuador, wrote a letter to their prayer partners and supporters uh, describing what had happened after we left. And Pastor Joel happened to get that email. And so as you take a look at this letter and you hear Pastor Joel read it, um, Pastor Joel is our lead pastor here at Daybreak, I want you just to take it all in and feel a part of it. Because it's because you gave and it's because you prayed and because you sent us that you get to hear this. So thank you. And most of all, as you're listening to it, give all the praise and all the glory and all the honor back to Jesus. We go because of him and no other reason. shall rejoice in him psalm 33:21 a week ago saturday my heart was rejoicing in him as i stood on the sherapuno river i was looking up on the bank at 12 shuar indians who were preparing their hearts to be baptized among them were two couples who had been living together for over 10 years they would be married later that night and so there were many guests from neighboring communities some from the makas area seven from mechanicsburg pa the daybreak alliance church Daybreak has brought teams the last five years to Ecuador. We have come to love them like family. Deborah Tan, who is on the mission staff there, does an outstanding job preparing and leading teams, and we look forward to their help each year. Her 14-year-old daughter, Kelly, believes the Lord is calling her to missions. Therefore, she wanted to be baptized with the others to say yes to the Lord. One by one, they came to the river's edge and shared their hearts. Pablo, a strong hunter, began to speak and knelt forward, crying, saying, I confess that I've been a terrible sinner. I've been on the wrong road my entire life, and I believed in Jesus and He has changed me, and He has helped me be on the road that leads to heaven. His bride Floor later said, I lived for fiestas and to do bad things. Now I see there's a better way. Jesus is the way. He gives us a happy life and a better life. The school teacher Avellino, holding his fists out, gripped tight, said, I've beaten my wife and I've always been drinking and wasting my family's money on alcohol. But God has forgiven me, he's changed me, and I'm grateful to him. Scott Weaver, a professor at Messiah College, helped me baptize them one by one. All of them had tears in their eyes. Lucio and Luciano are 11-year-old twins. They wanted to be baptized arm in arm, so we baptized them together. Up on the bank were the Warani Indians from nearby and all the other guests and members of the community from Payaz watching and listening. It was a powerful moment, and the Lord's presence was with us. Three brothers who were watching later that night after the wedding came forward to receive Christ. Ulysses gave a wonderful message and an invitation. The brides wore white gowns, and we were so excited. Daybreak Cheryl Fell and Kelly did a wonderful sacred dance to the song, Oh How He Loves Us, 
and everyone pressed in to watch them. Later in the week, they began to teach the Warani uh, women, Gladys and the Shuar sister, Clementina, the dance. When you think about the five missionaries who were martyred years ago, watching this scene was one of the most beautiful things I've witnessed in all of my life. Today, let our hearts rejoice in him. Love, Mark and Cheryl Schaefer. Wow. I mean, you watch that kind of video and you see today like the work that God is doing around the world, the work that God is doing through daybreakers around the world, and just what happens when we're willing to just do what he's asked, do what Jesus' final words as he left the earth was, which go to the ends of the earth. May get people be connected with me. Now, I want to give you a little history of what makes this so incredible, the story just the real meat here is in this history. You know, in the 1950s, um, the indigenous people of Ecuador had never heard the name of Jesus. And uh, things were a little different back then, um, a, little, a lot less developed, and uh, five men and their families felt the call of God to bring the love of Christ to the jungle of Ecuador. And they went and no, where no white men had ever been, no Westerner had ever set foot and they brought to those people just to meet them in the felt, their felt needs, what they needed. And in that process, they sacrificed a lot. In fact, um, some of you may know the story of Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and how in the very river that 16 different people have come to know Christ and been baptized, and that very river, that water that flows, once flowed with their blood because they were murdered at the hands of Ecuadorian Indians. They lost their lives. They were martyred for the cause of Christ that those people might know. And in those moments, I'm sure their families were like, is this the end of the story? But it isn't. Because we stand on the shoulders of the faith of men who came before us. Our spiritual family got to be part of baptizing, and not just baptizing them, but those same Indians saying, we're inviting communities, tribes, villages to come and witness what the love of Christ can do in our own lives and how it has changed us and transformed us. And even one of our, our own Daybreak family members, Dev's daughter, was baptized in the river because she said, I, I want to give my life to Christ to go to the ends of the earth. That's, that's huge. That is a huge privilege for us. God has used us, and God has been doing the same thing around the world for years, pursuing people all around the world that they might know the name of Christ, they might know the love of Christ. He's a God that loves us. He's been doing it in Biloxi. He's been doing it in West Mali. He's been doing it in Cambodia. He's been doing it in the Middle East. He has been doing it all around the world. And it is pretty amazing that he chooses to use you and I. Like, it is just a wonderful, amazing, beautiful, makes no sense at all that he would use us. People who don't always have their act together, people who don't know everything, people don't, you know, we're still experiencing the freedom of the gospel itself. And he chooses to let his power flow through us that others might know his love. And so this morning, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to you as my spiritual family, because it's an honor to be on this journey with you. I'm honored 
that some of you went. Some of you said, I will sacrifice my journey. I will sacrifice my vacation. I will go. Some of you said, you know what? I will pray. I will pray for you. You got letters in the mail from other people in your spiritual family. You said, I'll pray. I'll be with you, support you. Some of you gave and you said, you know what? I'll sacrifice my dollars so that other people around the world can know Christ so that you can go and be on that journey. Some of you were part of their encouragement and said, I believe in you. You know, you might doubt this yourself, but you, you can do this. And you were there for them. I celebrate that because it's always been our dream that we would be ascending church. Since we planted Daybreak in the very beginning, since we planted this campus not long ago, like that we might be people who send out, that people might know Christ. And that's what we are. We send short-termers around the world. We not only send short-termers, but out of those short-termers come people who raise up and say, that changed my life and God called me and I need to go and be part of that work long-term. And so people have gone all over East Asia and we even had a chance a couple weeks ago to pray for Kim Pfeiffer. She was going to Haiti, her last service with us to say, we believe in you, we love you, we will pray for you and support you. Man, it makes me, just makes me feel really privileged to be part of a church family who says to God, we're in. And so... I think it's a privilege for me this morning, uh, maybe one of the greatest privileges I have as a pastor, to look each of you in the eye and to call you out and to ask you, what is God saying to you? How is God speaking to your heart today? And is he saying, like, if you see the testimony and you hear God's word and you say, is God whispering to you, next year's your year. Next year is your year to go to be part of this. Is he whispering to you next year? Is your year to pray or to give? How is God impressing your heart and saying, we want you to be part of this? Now, you know, I I know we don't actually even know where we're going yet for 2013, but we will soon. And every December, we speak of it. We, we give you the information. We say, this is where God's lead us to go. Because we ask our strategic partners, we say, how can we serve you? When can we come? We don't try to force anything down on anyone. We just say, we want to serve Christ, and we want to serve you. And we trust your leadership. So tell us how we can be servants. And that's how we go. So December, you'll find out that. And then January, you'll get to be invited to informational meetings where you can find out a little bit more. But see, that's a long time between now and then. And so today, may today be a spiritual marker for you. May it be a day that you drive a stake in the ground because you heard the small whisper of God. Because God impressed upon you something that today you need to let it sink into your heart because God wants you to be part of spreading that seed to allow others to know him. And so I want to pray for you. Let's pray together.